Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. Over the last two years, I've set several goals for myself. Between the pandemic and my husband being deployed for nearly all of it, I decided I was going to use this time to better myself. Among the military wives, we tell each other, don't just survive, thrive during deployment. One of my goals included reading more. I love to read fiction novels, but this time around I was looking for something more. I wanted to be a better wife, better mother, better businesswoman, better physically, emotionally, and mentally. I wanted to use this time to become the best version of myself. So I dove headfirst into personal improvement and just devoured everything I got my hands on. I read books about shifting your mindset, books about building better habits, books about affirmations, and books with detailed journaling steps. But I felt like something was missing, so I kept digging. I started listening to personal development podcasts and taking part in trainings about mental blocks and energy flows and the science behind our brains. The more I read, the more intrigued I got, and the further I fell down the personal development rabbit hole. Until I got to human design. Everything I read talked about your personality type and your energy flow and chakras, of emptying yourself of blocks so positive energy can flow through. And while it all sounded good in theory, it literally stopped me in my tracks. Something felt off. Suddenly it felt like everything I had been learning was leading me to a place I shouldn't be entering into. Something told me to hit the brakes. And not to sound cliche, but I think that something was God. Don't get me wrong. I want to be better still. I want to be the best wife, the best mother, the best version of myself that lives authentically and is aligned with what I'm supposed to be doing in life. But if this is the wrong path, then what's the right one? So this time I decided to go to the source. If anyone was going to know if what I was dabbling in was something I should stay away from, It would be an exorcist, a priest who specializes in the tricks of the demonic that are becoming more widespread and less taboo than they were 30 years ago. I am ridiculously excited to introduce you to Father Zeta, our exorcist for the Diocese of Harrisburg, who also holds a PhD in psychology, to help me break open some of the mystery surrounding the trendiest methodologies within personal development. Father Zetas, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't tell you how excited I have to have you on the program. And can I just say, 
that you have the most epic beard I have ever seen. <laughs> and I hope one of your hobbies is spinning a guitar. Yeah, I used to play the guitar a long time ago. Um, and you'd be surprised at how often even strangers will come up to me and say, awesome beard, man. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I love that. Could you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Well, I'm a priest of the diocese. I've been ordained uh, 44 years. Been assistant to a uh, hospital chaplain uh, full time for uh, 11 and a half years. Was pastor uh, at two places, uh, Hanover up in uh, Mount Carmel. And right now I'm up in Elysburg. I was the chaplain to the sisters in, at the monastery there. And even though they have moved, I'm still there because I'm also a contract chaplain to uh, Danville State Hospital. I'm back up at Geisinger. I'm, I'm all over the place. So, yes. I'm still there, but we have, uh, you know, the chapel there has continued to go. We still have Mass every day, and we still celebrate the traditional Latin Mass up there all the time. So Bishop wants us to continue that uh, for the northern part of the diocese. They got you pretty busy. Yes, very busy, in, in addition to my work as exorcist, yes. So how did you become an exorcist? I'm assuming you didn't just wake up one day. <laughs> it's really funny. I get that question all the time, especially kids, you know, you know, what made you decide to be an exorcist? And I said, well, what happened was the bishop came up to me one day and he said, I want you to be my exorcist. And that's how it happens. <laughs> Literally. I was shocked, you know. Uh, it was Bishop McFadden uh, who had appointed me. But uh, yeah, that's that's how it happens. The church lays out certain criteria. Um, and it's always the choice of the bishop. The bishop is the primary exorcist of the diocese. And then he delegates um, that authority uh, to a particular priest. And again, there are ex uh, criteria that are laid down. Um, and the bishop uses that to make his choices as to who his exorcist should be. Yeah. That's fascinating. I never I never knew that. Mm -hmm. I, and I've been the exorcist, uh, I guess, now nine, ten years. Ten years. Wow. Yeah. In the movies... Possession always happens very rapidly, and it's usually because somebody did something, like playing with a Ouija board or conducting a seance. In your experience, are these the only ways that people can be made vulnerable? Oh, no. First of all, full possession is relatively rare, although it has been occurring more and more frequently in the world situation in which we find ourselves today. I had asked the previous exorcist, if he had ever had a formal case of full possession, he said no. I know that I have had at least five or six in the years that I have been. Now, that doesn't mean you just see the person one time and that's it, all right? Um, sometimes possessions can last months or even years, um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But second of all, it's not just simply a matter of, you know, playing with some of those kinds of things. You can, can be involved in all kinds of things. You know, um, sin itself is an open door to the demonic, no question about it. The one we're finding more and more today, which is rather interesting, is speak boxes, all right? What's a speak box? <laughs> I almost hesitate to tell people because I go looking for them, but um, a speak box is a thing, it's almost like a, um, a cell phone, and it purports that you can actually use it to speak to the dead. I just had a case the other day where a person was, so I've had three cases of these. A loved one dies, person's very distressed and want to know, you know, are they okay? Are they in a nice place? Blah, blah, blah. And so what happens is somebody suggests, well, you know, you can communicate with them if you use these speak boxes. And so they do. And they have these conversations with their deceased loved ones, you know, only they're not because you can't. God doesn't allow that kind of communication with the dead. Um, and so as a result of which they opened up a door to hell. I had one woman who, you know, supposedly talked with her brother 
Um, and then all of a sudden she's experiencing all kinds of things in her home and she's being attacked. I told her, I said, you were not talking to your brother. You were talking to a demon who was pretending to be your brother. All right. So that's not actually formal possession, but certainly the lady is under attack. In fact, just this morning, I received an email from one of our pastors, a woman who had come to him. The woman is not even Catholic. She's Lutheran. Her minister had been to her home and had done a blessing and gave him communion, and it didn't help. Well, doesn't surprise me. Um, but uh, And she's involved in all kinds of... Uh, I have to get the whole history, but she's having all kinds of things happening in her home. She feels it touching her hand. Things are moving. Things are disappearing. Doors are opening and closing. Um, those kinds of infestations are very, very common anymore. I don't know the reasons why. That has to be investigated. You, know, you have to figure out what was the trigger, what was the cause. And there can be many, many different ways in which these things can be triggered. For example, belonging to the Masons, people don't realize that the Masonic orders are demonic. And so people, you know, Catholics cannot join the Masons. And sometimes they do, and then they cause all kinds of problems. And I've had to deal with that to get people out of um, the curses that are involved in, in joining the Masons. So, But sin itself um, is, a, is a way in which a person can be possessed. Uh, another way is um, you know, satanic cults. They do exist. Uh, parents that can sometimes... Um, abandon their children, and their children carry all kinds of, you know, uh, negativities in, you know, hurts, wounds, pains, which can open them up to kinds of things. Then people can get things like uh, astrology or tarot cards, or as you said, you know, these other sorts of things. I remember one case one time, one of the pastors called me, said, I have a young man in my parish. Um, some friends of him wanted to go to this place that's supposed to be haunted and use a Ouija board and think maybe they can cont contact whatever's in there. And the young man said, well, I'll, I'll go if you get me drunk first. Uh, so they did, and he went, and they played the Ouija board, and of course it spoke to them. And the um, Ouija board said, well, don't worry, everything stays in the house, nothing goes out of the house. Well, of course, the demons are liars. And so the young man goes home, and now he's being oppressed by all kinds of attacks, things that are happening. So he calls his pastor in a panic, and of course the pastor calls me. And I assure him that this is an easy one. Tell the kid to go to confession. <laughs> that's all he needed to do, and that solved the problem. But there are many, many different ways these days in which people can become involved uh, and are opening themselves up to demonic influences. Yes. That's fascinating. And you hear so often about, you see it on TikTok, you see it on reality TV, where people are experimenting in things that they really don't have any authority. And not only that, but today people are actually openly giving themselves to the satanic. It's not just through these, you know, magic things or occult things. Uh, people are actually giving, well, you know, when you see Bahamut and you see all of the, you know, the Church of Satan and all of those other kinds of things that are out there today, you know, just we just saw that, for example, down in York County, where they wanted to have that after school Satan club, you know, uh, Satan takes advantage of those things, you know, where do you think those things are coming from? It's hell on you know, our earth, you know, uh, hell is broken loose all over the earth and um, and people are falling for it. You know, and and they're in trouble, and they and they wonder why, <laughs> and they wonder why. So one of my hobbies is I, I love to read about mm -hmm. personal development, and I've been delving more into the different books and the different methodologies that are out there. And a lot of the things that I've come across have caused me to really pause. Um, in fact, I stopped reading two of the books because I was like, mm, yep. something doesn't sit right. One of the most popular trends I've been seeing in personal and business development right now is manifestation. 
And for our audience who doesn't know, manifestation is the process of taking an idea, a dream or a goal and taking the necessary actions to make it a reality. How is something like this potentially dangerous when used for personal development? I mean, part of the, you know, one of the things that's missing in all of these things is faith. In other words, it's people wanting to take control of their lives and people want um, what they want, all right? So it ultimately comes down to power. And which is exactly what the satanic is all about. It's power, it's power and control, you know? And it's what I will do rather than what God will do in me or for me, you know? And that's the number one problem. Um, we kind of push God to the side. He's out of the picture. Now I'm taking control, all right? There's nothing wrong with positive thinking. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, but faith has to be the foundation of all of these things. And if faith isn't, and then that's where the devil has a chance to sneak in. If we push God aside, well, you know, what's the old saying, you know, um, of something abhors a vacuum. Nature abhors a vacuum, okay? So if we, we push God out, Satan's going to creep in very quickly, all right? And that's where the problem is. So, um, you know, we have to, again, there's nothing wrong with personal development, but it has to be based on faith. It has to be based on God. Um, and that's where we're going to find true fulfillment. We're going to find true fulfillment only in Christ, not in our own personal efforts. That's a good point. Another trend I'm noticing a lot is the utilization of crystals and the theory of holding them in your hand or placing them on key energy points in your body. The crystals transmit energy, which can help calm or comfort or revitalize. And some devotees claim that they even cure ailments from illnesses to depression. Do these types of belief hold any credences or are they just distracting us from our faith? Let's put it this way. There is something to the reality of energy as being the basis of, of nature itself, all right? And our own bodies, you know, being suffused with energies of various forms, various kinds. So, I, you know, that's an area that needs probably to be explored uh, more deeply, scientifically, if you will. But, you know, what we come down to then is, again, it's a, it's a matter of control. It's almost like a matter of, of magic. You know, we're going to use certain magic formulas, magic rituals, you know, um, to be able to cure, to do whatever it is that we want. And that's where these, the whole thing of, of crystals it becomes very dangerous because we're, we're relying on um, something else as a matter of control. Um, going into what you actually talked about on one of the other um, and I think it's related to this, uh, the, the idea of the chakras, all right? I think this is very, very important because the chakras are, in fact, energy points in the body. They're actually, it's, it's a, a foundation of kundalini yoga, all right? Now, kundalini yoga is based upon a belief that there are seven chakras or energy points along the spine, from the base of the spine to the top of the head. Now, the fundamental belief is that the kundalini, which is at the base of the spine, is actually a serpent. And by practicing kundalini yoga, you awaken the serpent and allow it to move up through the various energy points within the body. So you have to open up the various chakras little by little until the serpent is able to rise to your head. All right. It's a serpent. It's demonic, pure and simple. Uh, you opening yourself. So this is this self-awareness, this illuminations and all these other kinds of things that people are getting into and practicing. But again, where's the faith? Where's Christ? You know, where is our focus on God? It's not there. 
You know, it's on the Kundalini. It's on. It's on yoga. It's on the Satan. It's on the snake that's in, coiled inside of me. Original sin, if you want to call it that. Um, so you know, the the crystals fall into that same category in a certain sense. They're playing with those same energy centers, and we have to be very very careful. You know, my. Apple Watch, you know, and constantly talking about mindfulness, you know, and uh, in one of the um, uh, groups that I belong to in terms of the American Psychological Association, uh, they're talking about, you know, openness and nothingness and no self and all that self-awareness and all kind of stuff. Well, the problem is approaching it from those Eastern perspectives. If I empty myself of self, what fills that emptiness. And if it's not Christ, it's going to be Satan. And that's where our dangers lie. And people are not, they're not even, they're opening themselves up to all of these things and don't even realize what they're doing. They're empty. But again, nature pours a vacuum and where we leave something empty, Satan is going to slip in there very quickly. That's why there's more possession. That's why there's more, um, you know, uh, oppression and infestations that are occurring today. Um, because Satan will, will slip in there where there's no faith. That's what happens. That's what happens. So you have that, that parable that Jesus gives in the Gospels, you know, the story of the man out of whom a demon had been cast, you know, and the demon goes out wandering in the wastelands and says, oh, I'm going to go back to where I was before. Comes back, find the place neat and clean and tidy and everything is really beautiful. And he said, oh, I'm going to go and find, he gets seven other demons to come with him. And the state of that guy is worse than it was at first. Well, the reason is because even though the demon was cast out, there was nothing put in his place. And so therefore, now the guy's in real trouble. And I've had that happen. I've had at least one case where we had an individual who was possessed, full possession, and without going into the details, we were able to free her from the possession. But the problem is exorcism is not a magic ritual. It's a conversion process. And so this person did not convert. The person went on to doing what they had always done before. And before you know it, this person was repossessed. Only the second time was much worse than the first time. And it was much, much harder to free her the second time than it was the first time without going into the details. And that's exactly what happens. You know, we have to be very, very careful that, and again, far too often I get calls from people asking me to come in and they want me to do a ritual that will free them so they can go on and do the same things they've always been doing. Uh, and no, it's not magic. It's a conversion. And you have to realize that. So I have another case. So again, I was on the phone with the lady last night. I've seen her twice, but I told her, I said, the problem is, you know, she just wanted me to do some prayers and free her from these attacks that she's experiencing, but she wasn't willing to let go of the things that she was holding on to that caused the problem in the first place, you know? And so unless the person's willing to let go and be converted and change, there's not much I can do for them. It's not magic. It's what Christ will do for them through me. Right. And magic is always put out there as the easy way. Sure. But, yeah, but it's not. Another trend I've seen that disturbed me a little bit was human design. And human design uses your birth data to calculate your human design chart or your body graph, which is a graphic illustration of the energetic flow of your system. And it's described as a user's manual for your life, a toolbox to help you make choices that are in alignment with your authentic nature. And alignment and authentic are two words I hear a lot in this personal development realm. Is something like human design, I'm assuming 
it's detrimental to our faith given our discussion on energy. Mm-hmm. But how can we live authentically and live in alignment with God and his plan for us? Well, the first thing that when I read through that description, the first thing that came to my mind is what's the difference between that and astrology? It sounds very much like astrology. Very much like astrology. So, yeah, and, and so here we have an idea that somehow, you know, our birth time and our birth, you know, where the planets aligned and all that kind of, that determines a lot of stuff that goes on in our lives. You know, and, um, you know, if that were the case, every person in the world that was born at the same time <laughs> in the same place, you know, that would be, you know, the same person and they're not, all right? It mistakes the creatures of God for the creator of those things, all right? And so, yeah, again, it's also about power and control. So what we need now here is discernment, and that's the thing that we're missing, all right? It's a very interesting thing that the word magic and the word mystic come from the same root source, the same root word. So what's the difference between magic and and mysticism. Well, magic is where an individual attempts to control the process. Mysticism is where a person is totally open to whatever God wants to do through them. So power and control are the key elements. Surrendering my power and control to God as opposed to my wanting to take power and control myself. That has a a lot to do with it, all right? So again, it goes back to faith. It goes back to, you know, trust in God. But discernment, when you talk about, you know, how do I want to live authentically according to God and his plan for us, you know, that involves prayer. It involves the the faith. It involves discernment. It involves direction and guidance from, you know, from spiritual director, for example, the sacraments in our lives as Catholics. So those are the ways in which we, you know, can learn the will of God from my life. And we align ourselves to God's will, not to what we think, you know, the stars or the planets are telling me my life is supposed to be. But we all have, we always have free will. So we always forget about that. Human beings always have free will. So it doesn't matter what the stars say. It doesn't matter what the planets say. It doesn't what these birth charts or human design charts say. I always have free will. That's fundamental to, to human nature. And I can use it for good or for evil. That's very, very true. And I like that you brought up magic and mysticism because I had read that there were some saints that were mystics. Could you elaborate a little bit more on the difference between magic and mysticism? Well, it's very simple. You know, what? who is a mystic? What is a mystic? It's so simple. People think, you know, mysticism are these, you know, extraordinary supernatural experiences that people have. No. Mysticism is very simple. A mystic is a person who knows God by experience. Notice I didn't say knows about God. A person who knows God by experience, that's a mystic. It doesn't have to be any kind of supernatural things involved with it in terms of manifestations or anything like that. But one who really knows God, that's a mystic, right? One who's aware of the presence of God and being in the presence of God all the time, that's a mystic. So there's no control or power there other than God's power and God's control. And that's the difference between magic. Magic is where I want to take control and I want to use it to get what I want. See, I become the operative word there as opposed to God. There's the difference. It's fascinating. One of the books that I stopped reading recently was by Dr. Joseph Murphy and his book, The Power of the Subconscious Mind. 
And in it, he asserts that our life events are actually the result of the workings of our conscious and subconscious minds. He suggests practical techniques through which one can change one's destiny by focusing and redirecting miraculous energy through daily affirmation. Essentially, he suggests the law of attraction where like attracts like or garbage in, garbage out. And throughout the book, he quotes scripture and he reminds us that God wants us to live our best lives. And out of all the books I've read, this seems the most plausible and the least controversial, but it still leaves me questioning. Can positive affirmations and the law of attraction lead us down God's path or are we telling ourselves lies? You know, a lot of what you just said is very true. Uh, from a psychologist's point of view, all right, there's no question about it, you know, our mental states, consciously and, and unconsciously or subconsciously, uh, certainly do to a large extent determine our actions. It's one of the reasons why I always tell people, even when they go to confession, oftentimes people get confession completely wrong. You know, people will say, you know, I don't like to go to confession because I'm always saying the same thing over and over and over again. Well, I said, well, it's because you're going wrong. You're going to confession wrong. The way you should go to confession is to ask yourself, not just what am I doing wrong, but why am I doing it wrong, okay? So the, the underlying reason why is crucial. And sometimes we act unconsciously. We are acting out of things from our past, things from our childhood. You know, oftentimes I'll, I'll, a person will come into confession and they'll tell me something. I said, no, no. I said, you're confessing the symptoms. You're not confessing the root causes. So let's get back to the root cause, you know? So somebody comes in and I say, well, well what you're really telling me is the fact that, um, you know, you have a poor self-image, which probably goes back to your childhood, your relationship to your parents, you know, there's all kinds of things. So yeah, by all means, there's no question about it that our subconscious minds do play a very, very powerful role in our life decisions. So the key becomes bringing those subconscious or unconscious thoughts into consciousness so that we become aware of them so that we can make the correct choices, all right? In, in, in some ways, without having read the book per se, you know, I would have to be careful in terms of um, critiquing his, his technique, but in terms of the principle that was just laid down there, what you just said, um, I think there, yes, there is something to it and something that can be applied in terms of our spiritual lives. You know, if we get down to root causes rather than just simply, you know, external actions. It's why I always like, you know, I, I tell, tell people, you know, as Christians, our, you know, too many people when they go to confession focus on the Ten Commandments. Well, that's not what we, and the Ten Commandments are Jewish. Now, that's not to say that the Ten Commandments are invalid. No, they're still valid, but Jesus gave us the Beatitudes. And the difference between the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes is the fact that Ten Commandments focus on external behaviors. The Beatitudes focus on internal attitudes. So I can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. It gets me nowhere. But when I start focusing on the interior attitudes that Jesus gives us in the Beatitudes, that's where real conversion takes place in my life. So I think that's how we can you know, work to uh, change, transform those wounds, those, heat, those uh, hurts, those pains from my past, and to be able to grow spiritually. You know, so it's not some magic, you know, um, spiritual energy that's flowing in me that does it. No, it, it's called the grace of God. But let's get down to the root causes and let's look at those interior attitudes rather than just simply the external actions. I love that. And I love the workings of the Beatitudes and modern psychology oh, sure. together. I mm -hmm. think that's 
fascinated. Mm -hmm. Vision boards are a commonly accepted way to visualize your goals, um, though I've read that their foundations might be questionable. Is it possible to use them to focus on the purpose God has given for our lives? And if so, how do we determine what that purpose is? Um, first of all, I'm not quite really familiar with vision boards. I'm not sure exactly what they are or where they come from. So I can't really um, comment on that per se. But in terms of how do I determine what the purpose God has for my life, one of the questions I always ask people is simply this. What talents do you have? What abilities that you have are innate that, that you feel good about, about yourself, all right? To a very large extent, you know, it's just like the parable in the, in the uh, Gospels. You know, the talents that God has given to those men uh, to, to uh, utilize and to be, you know, um, added to. If we look at what talents and abilities and gifts that we have individually, that's going to give me a pretty good hint at what God's plan or purpose for my life is. I don't need a vision board to do that. So, you know, if uh, I have a student, and, and I know of a, a good friend of mine who um, was a music teacher, she's retired now, but she told me the story of a young man who was one of her star pupils and um, brilliant musician. And it came time for graduation, and she asked him, you know, where he was going to go to college, and now what is he going to major in in college? And he said business, and she was devastated. And she said, business, why? Well, my dad said, it's about time to get down to the real world and get, you know. Well, you know, if this young man has a, a natural talent as a musician, why should he just toss it aside? This is what's going to make him happy because this is the gift that God has given him. This is how he's going to be fulfilled as an individual. So that's one of the ways in which we can discern God's purpose for my life. What gifts has he given me? What talents has he given me? What ability has he given me? And then, of course, we have to discern those through prayer and study and guidance and so forth. Um, but that, that's a starting point as to how I can truly find God's plan or purpose for my life. I love that. We've talked extensively today, and I love everything that we've talked about. It. I, I think that it's been very helpful. What are some ways that we can use our faith to grow and develop both personally and professionally? First thing as Catholics we have to realize is our whole Catholic life is based on sacramental life. It's a liturgical life, all right? We have to stay close to the sacraments, most especially the Eucharist, especially confession on a regular basis, and then our life of prayer. Prayer life is absolutely essential. You know, what people today, are, how they're making a mistake is that they're trying to fit their prayer life or their spiritual life into their everyday routine. That's backwards. As Catholics, our prayer life, in other words, our relationship with God is foundational. If that is the center of my life every day, then the rest of my day flows out of that. The rest of my life flows out of that. Just going back to what I just said about the talents, you know, if I understand these are the gifts that God has given me and I work to develop those, then my whole life flows out of that, God's gift not the other way around, you see. It's where I want to take control on all of those things we've talked about today, where I want to take control over letting God guide me in my life. Well, that's where we run into trouble. So prayer life, study, we have to study, especially today in, in terms of the crisis of faith. We have to learn our faith. We have to know our faith because there's a real crisis about that. But we need guidance and direction. We can't do it by ourselves. We can't do it alone. Uh, we need um, direction, spiritual direction, or, or confession on a regular basis. We can go to a priest that we trust. 
these are the ways I think that we need to develop our faith and grow in our faith. The closeness to the sacraments, closeness to the Eucharist, uh, and uh, certainly uh, our prayer life and our study. Prayer and study go together. They're two, like two hands. Teresa of Avila says that, you know, you have to have both. You can't have one or the other. Because I love reading. <laughs> Are there any books that you would recommend? Oh, off the top of my head, no. Actually, the reason I ask is because I say that is because I think a lot depends upon the individual, mm. where they're coming from, what they're searching for, what their background is, um, what their interests are. And then, you know, the, the books then should be recommended that way rather than as a, just a general rule. Otherwise, they become those simple self-help books, and that's not what we want either. Right, right. I've heard that there's so many self-help books because everybody has a different way of doing it. That's why there's so many of them. Well, that's just that's partially true, and the same thing in terms of your relationship with God and your own spirituality. Everybody has their own where they're coming from is unique to them, and, and that's why a, a priest, a director, or a confessor um, has to be attuned to. That's why I always tell people when you go to confession, have a regular confessor. Thus, don't go to whoever's available. You get to have a regular confessor, then he gets to know you. And even if you go behind the screen, which is perfectly fine, and I can guarantee you, I, you know, having been in the monastery teaching, uh, hearing the confessions of the sisters, you don't get to know them by name or face, but you do get to know them by their voice and their spiritual life. And so you can, by having them on a regular basis, you can lead and guide them um, as opposed to, you know, just giving some pat advice or something like that. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, going to confession, but to somebody that you go to consistently who can get to know you and you can be comfortable with them, that's important. That's awesome. Well, Father Zeta, thank you so much for coming today. I absolutely loved everything that we talked about, and I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. God bless you, and God bless everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org dac and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.